0: Today's episode of the Rewatchables on the Rigger Podcast Network, brought to you by Sling TV. Millions of people have cut the cord and started slinging because slinging is about freedom. There's no long-term contract. Customize your channel lineup. Change it from one month to the next. Catch the latest shows, live sports, hit movies, including today's Rewatchable broadcast news, starting at just $25 a month. Open up your relationship with your TV. Start slinging. Go to sling.com slash Rewatchables. They have a special offer just for our listeners. 14 days free when you enter the promo code RINGER. That's sling.com slash Rewatchables. Promo code RINGER. Offer available to new customers only. Availability may vary by location. Other restrictions apply. Chris, it must be nice to always believe you know better, to always think you're the smartest person in the room. You should definitely be saying this to Sean.
1: <laughs> broadcast <laughs> is coming up next. Oh, no. Ready, BTR 1 and 2. Ready on camera 1 with Keith.
2: All remote, standby, by, please. This okay, we're going to good. George. Say, the F-14 is the staff, one of the most difficult planes to, to master. To Executive producer. One of the most difficult machines oh. for a to master. Is there any particular
1: area that you feel strongest in? To be honest, I was best at anchor.
3: I can't breathe.
2: Over oh, a guy. I would give anything if you were two people. So I could call up the one who's my friend and tell her about the one that I like so much.
0: All right, so this movie came out in 1987. And it is fucking timeless. Sean Fantasy is here. Chris Ryan is here. Special guest Chuck Klosterman is Hello. here. Huh. Who we did reality bites with him, and yeah. um, it became clear he would never listened to the podcast. So I had no idea what we were he doing. Every time I, was I know categories. the
2: format now. Okay. I'm very prepared. you very prepared to hammer all your rubrics. Okay. Um, <laughs> let's uh,
0: let's talk about the movie first. It's it, it's incredible to me. I wouldn't touch much here. 32 years. I mean, yeah, there's some fashion. There's, some, there's some, some stuff's a little dated. But for the most part, it's almost perfect. We can talk about the ending at the end. Start with you, Fantasy. What's your favorite thing about this movie?
1: Ooh. Uh, it's definitely a top 100 screenplay of all time. It's also definitely has a case for best movie of the 1980s, uh, which I think would be a fun thing for us to kind of break down a little bit. And it's a it's a trifecta movie where all three of the main actors are kind of at the height of their powers. Um, so you put all those things together. I don't know. It's pretty pretty indelible.
0: Rocky three came out in the eighties. I just want to remind you.
1: Yeah, the movie's
2: fine. Okay. It's okay. Chuck, what was your favorite thing about the movie rewatching it? The tone of the movie is great. It's extremely well written, but the tonality is the thing. It can be funny, real funny at times, but it's not strictly a comedy. Yeah. You know, thinking about it, walking over here today, there are some actual parallels in that three-way relationship with Reality Bites yeah, Yeah. in many ways. I mean, uh, and um, I just uh, – it's odd that a movie that seems like it should only apply to the way media was at a very specific time seems to appeal or or apply to media throughout time as recently as this week, you know?
0: Yeah, I was Uh. shocked re-watching that how – the layoff theme and just everything about it, and what them fighting this new era that's coming, was so reminiscent of the yeah, stuff we're have reading this week. Been doing
3: that since the nineteen twenties, and yeah, I yeah, mean, like yeah. I think for me, it's that uh, you know, in, in your everyday life, for most people, uh, you're, you usually have like a separation between your work and your personal life. There's like you have your job, you have your life at home, but one of the things that kind of you can sometimes get if you work. Specifically in news, but in media in general, is that feeling of like a kind of almost holistic idea that like your life is wrapped up in what you do in a, in a kind of idealistic way that yeah. you, you every day have to deal with these decisions about what you're trying to say about the world, how you're trying to say it the way you go about doing that, and that the people that you're with in your work life could actually be the most important people in your life. And that, that that stuff that you talk about all day long is the actual important stuff. And granted, for a lot of these people, there creates a little bit of a hole when they go home at, at, at night. But that there, there is actual stakes to your life as you go through your day-to-day life. And that's the kind of amazing thing about the Jane character, you know, is that you just feel like she's constantly plugged into the life or death stakes of what she's doing for a living. It's funny. This movie comes out the same year as Wall Street. Yeah.
0: And that Jane character and the Gecko character, you could argue are the two most important characters in the 80s. Because when I was researching the movie, Jim Brooks like really wanted to make a movie with a strong female lead. And he felt like there was this thing that was happening now with um, feminism, for lack of a better word, where people in these really important professional positions for the first time and being put in the same position that men had been in for decades and decades. So you have that and you have on the other side, the Gordon Gecko greed is good. And you can kind of tell the eighties through those two characters, Sean and and Rocky Balboa
1: and Rocky Balboa. Yeah. I mean, it's just that, that um, cliched vision of the alpha eighties where people really have to, how to be in charge is like a theme of the decade. And they're just two sides of the same coin, you know, operating in completely different ways. You don't get the impression that Gordon Gecko ever wakes up in the morning and has himself a good cry before he has to get his day <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> started. Um, there's but just nothing.
0: This was know. only a year after Working Girl. And the whole thing of
2: Working Girl is like, yeah.
0: look, women can advance in the job too. And well, then here comes Holly Hunter. Is boom. Holly
3: Hunter the only character in this movie based on a real person?
0: Yeah. No, I, I have
3: to imagine that given the amount of research Brooks did and the amount of time he had spent in Washington and New York media circles that the other guys have some parallels but
2: well and, and particularly like the William Hercule you wouldn't want to have your you wouldn't want to say like this character is based yeah, on me right. if you were in news I you think know, he's a little Peter Jennings I
1: was going to say Jennings
0: was I the one I think that
2: there's a little Peter Jennings in his character
0: because then they always say, used Canadian? to say Jennings was never a rocket scientist <laughs> well
1: <laughs> <laughs> exactly Jennings was sort of like mm. uh, I guess undereducated is the way that mm. he was described and, and he ultimately Became kind of a great anchor and a very smart guy, also a, a, a ladies' man. Um, but so I think that there are some Peter Jennings, Albert Brooks. I don't know. There are probably any number of people that yes. lived in Washington in the eighties sure. could have been Albert Brooks.
2: Who do you mm. think the Nicholson character was based on? Well, I mean, it was a kind of Cronkite yeah. idea, but. That the idea that he, the role he f- he occupies in society is Cronkite like, even though his personality doesn't seem reflected. Yeah, and doesn't Rorschach yeah,
3: yeah. Rorsch also seems to be yeah. the editor of that? Like he's like the editor in chief of the news, so like he he cuts the twenty seconds off of the the South American uh, the, the Civil oh War yeah stuff. yeah. Uh, so it it seems the like managing he has, editor. Yeah, he seems like he has like editorial influence beyond just news reading. Yeah, jumping out to me watching
0: this again was just the star power like really famous people at the top of their games. And then like Nicholson just strolling in for a couple scenes, just randomly. Oh, there's Jack Nicholson.
1: Only listed in the end credits famously. Not, they didn't sell the movie with him at all.
0: Yeah. And then Jim Brooks must've, that That was the second time he'd worked with them, but that was another role in terms of endearment when he's not totally in it. But this is, if Holly Hunter doesn't work in this movie, we're in trouble. And yeah, I, mean, I don't want to step on casting what ifs, but I'm going to, cause it's an amazing what if, but. Deborah Winger was cast for this movie and got pregnant and they had to remove her from the movie and scramble for replacements, which we can talk to. But I don't know if this movie works with Deborah Winger. I don't, I don't, I had too much of a history with her and she'd kind of been in too many movies in the eighties. And uh, I think part of the thing I like about this movie is I didn't really know Holly Hunter at all until this movie came out. I remember like, who is this? She's tiny. She's fucking
2: seems crazy, but she's awesome. And she's passionate. Like I just never seen an actress. I could like imagine that. Deborah Winger being in this movie and being good, but she wouldn't be Holly Hunter in this. And it's hard to sort of think of this movie in any way without her... Specific personality and like you know it's so I I think someone else probably could like this is such a well written movie I think a lot of people could have succeeded in almost any role yeah, yeah like ninety like percent I,
3: yeah. I feel like I say this a lot in the last couple of rewatches yeah. but you could definitely see Harrison Ford doing the William Hurt <laughs> role although or, or Luke Wilson <laughs> Luke Wilson maybe <laughs> if Luke Wilson is in Broadcast News is it a better movie <laughs> Um, and we often talk on this pod about great years that people had yeah uh, it's really worth mentioning Holly Hunter's eighty seven because she does this in Raising Arizona. And I mean, I find, I think she's one of my favorite actresses. And one of the cool things about her, she's popped up in a couple of rewatchables, The Firm. Um, One of the cool things about her is how she, I'm sure not cool ultimately to her, because it just means that she maybe stopped getting the great lead roles. But she's transitioned to like this amazing character actor over the course, back like sort of the last 10, 15 years. Um, But she's just such a dynamite, Leading actress to have all this screen time, and you just kind of ride with Jane the entire time. And it's also a character that other people in my life have reminded me
0: of over the years. It's it's rare when you have the movie character where it's like, oh, she's kind of like Jane. She's just little too little too into the work, and I can really relate to Jane Craig. It's It's like very uh, uh, settle down a little bit. You know, in a
2: weird way, like. Her size works to her advantage. the totally. scene at the end when Joan Kuzak, who looks 11 feet tall, yeah, yeah, smile, yeah, yeah. is hugging her. And there's something about the kind of the energy she has in that small package. It would be, it's like, it's so great. She's diminutive.
0: Yeah. She looks yeah. like, it's like Chris Paul going into the paint or something. Because the same thing with William Hurt. <laughs> William Hurt seems like he's 6'5 in this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're in these scenes and they have sexual attention, but she's always looking up at him. And it's like this weird parallel to kind of what her position was probably to, you know, trying to work her way up. Everybody who gets laid off in that scene is a white guy,
1: except for Joan Cusack. Yeah, which is maybe not necessarily accurate to how
2: things always work out. but
0: Especially in the 80s, yeah.
2: Well, the Uh, what percentage of that newsroom would have not been white in that period. mm -hmm. Yeah, you'd have,
0: there's basically two women. Uh, The William Hurt part of this, I felt like he was an
1: icon in the 80s. I was trying to and explain then, this to my wife last night because she did. She was like, "I'm actually not very familiar with him. He's so interesting to talk about in general." So
0: I so I went back. I'm like, "I wonder." So he must have been on stuff and leading up to. I remember Eyewitness. His first movie ever was Altered States, which was like a really <laughs> one of my cool favorite movie. movies. Yeah, I think 1980. His first three movies, he's the lead in each one. Doesn't have a movie where he's like, "Oh yeah, he's in there. He's the little brother." Like he, his career starts with Altered States. Goes to Body Heat, which I think for movie directors is like one of those movies, like the Soderbergh oh, types. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah Body great. Heat's that's like one of their movies that they point one. to. Yeah. Eyewitness, where him and Sigourney Weaver are in there. That one's a first little
1: three. Eyewitness is a little forgotten. A time that's oh, a cool movie a good too. One. Also, a movie about TV news. Yeah, Sigourney Weaver plays a reporter, and he plays I think a janitor.
0: Yeah, that's a good one. So nice start, and then from eighty three to eighty five, he just he just rips it off. He's he makes 5 movies that are nominated for best picture. Big Chill, Kiss of the Spider Woman, Children of the Lesser God, Broadcast News, Accidental Tourists. He had 3 best actor nominations and he won for Spider Woman. Those are the first 8 years of his career. It's like I didn't even know how to compare that to anything.
1: I mean it's Brando. Like there's just very few people who have had who had that kind of concentrated 5 to 10 year period where they were suddenly became the most important actor in Hollywood for so then- almost a decade.
0: Turns down misery, turns down Jurassic Park, and the parts As start the to Samuel get weird. Part,
3: yeah. And it's and it's done. But I feel like Nicolas Cage happens to him. Like basically, Nicolas Cage comes along in ninety-two. I mean 80, 90 is wild at heart. He's in some other stuff before that. Obviously, he's in Raising Arizona. I mean
1: 87 is the also the year of Moonstruck. Yeah,
3: he's in 80 in 87, he's got Moonstruck and Raising Arizona. And the kinds of the, the like great looking leading man with like a real eccentricity thing becomes Nicolas Cage instead of William Hurt. I had a different guy for this. Okay. I was gonna, you're talking about a market
0: correction. Yeah. One of our favorite rewatchables topics. I think it was Jeff Bridges.
1: Oh. Hmm. Uh,
0: it's like William Hurt should have been in The Vanishing. He would have been really good in The Vanishing, but Jeff Bridges in The Vanishing. But like well, William family- Hurt and Blown Away, like basically every Jeff Bridges movie could have been a
3: William Hurt The other movie. one to talk about is just because they have such... Their their careers are almost tied together is Costner because Costner's supposed to be in the Big Chill. He's supposed to be. Well, he is in the Big Chill. Well, he's technically in the (laughs) Big Chill. (laughs) His corporeal form. (laughs) But you know, I you could see William Hurt in Field of Dreams. Yeah. You know what I mean? But like you could, see, I don't know if he could have done Bull Durham, but like you could kind of see him doing a bunch of the Costner rules. I wonder, you think he was like difficult to work with or uh, something? I'm, I'm, he are must you are been, being right? sarcastic?
1: He, he? he is notoriously difficult to work oh, with. Oh, so that's he, what happened. He is incredibly then. intellectual and strange and people found him very chilly. I mean, you know, I, I'm not sourcing this necessarily, but you I've heard many, many, many stories and read stories over the years about that. He is... Quite tricky to work with. Now he still has like a very active career. He's in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, you know. Like yeah. he is still doing stuff. He's great on damages. I don't know if you guys saw. Yeah, that he was show, awesome damages. on damages. Yeah, um, and he's still a great working actor. But I mean, he he was in the conversation with Kevin Costner in terms of leading men in that time. And that's well, gone. I would say in the
0: eighties, he was. That was probably the most successful decade any actor had. Yeah, I mean, there's in a handful five of people, best picture movies.
1: Yeah, I mean, Harrison Ford, Michael Douglas. There's a handful of guys in that time, and he was right there with them.
0: Yeah, Douglas leaned into the 90s. I guess the decades didn't flip. Harrison Ford's a good one. It's also,
2: it's a a different thing when you're the leading man because it's not like being a great character actor where your acting chops are really what matters. When you're the leading man, a lot of times, the the limitations of what you can do and what you can't do are really inflexible. Um, So... Like when you, when you talk about him, like Brando, I don't think of him that way. Although when you describe it, like, I don't view his career this way. It, obviously it was, he never seemed, um, as famous in that way. Like, I'm not saying he wasn't famous, right. but he never seemed famous in that way. It's like, almost like he had good taste in the kind of movies that win awards. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. he had a sense for that. Um,
0: I really liked his big show character. I thought that's one of my favorite characters, Nick. Mm-hmm. The the drug addict, the impotent drug addict, who I don't know. I just, I just love that guy. And it's interesting that he's so different than the broadcast news guy, which I think is a really hard character because he's got to be dumb, but he also has to be like KG smart. The he's three of be them, handsome. Just, their characterizations are so no And he's got to be able to read the news in a way where I'm like, oh, I, I get it. That guy's awesome, which I think is.
1: I a, have so a many favorite thing. scenes in this movie, but my favorite one by far is when he uh, tutors Aaron about yeah, with reading the, the news because it it gets across exactly what you're describing where he is showing him a sort of tips and a sort of narcissism that he has trained himself with over the years that illuminates something inside of his brain that he otherwise couldn't put down on paper you know if someone if he if he had to write that down he couldn't get it going but when they're sort of ending that conversation and they're out in the hallway he has this kind of focused intensity about what the news reading the news actually is yeah, yeah. it is is very smart even though it's not Intellectual.
2: Here's a question I wanted to ask you guys. Now, we're kind of working from the premise. Is like, this is kind of perfect. We don't want to make alterations. But how do you feel about the initial three scenes where we see them as children?
3: Do you think that's an essential part of this? Or would you have considered... Lopping that off, I I personally would have considered lopping that off. It feels, I, that's like the most eighties part of this.
2: Uh, yeah, I, I would mm. have too. I think that that part and the very conclusion are would be the two things. And I know when we go through these, like, uh, uh, like yeah, what the categories, Chuck. Up, Chuck. Like what doesn't hold <laughs> up? That does really place it in at that time. That's like here's these people as kids, hear them years later. Um, I find but it, another, I, the thing, the one thing I was going to say in the defense of having that there is. Does it sort of allow the audience to be like, okay, when I'm introduced to these characters, I already have an understanding of what we assume that experience as a kid would lead to? Because there's all the exact – like, this movie implies that the way you are at eight is the way you are forever. Mm-hmm. You know. Well, that's an interesting thought because
1: what stuck out to me rewatching it most recently – is even though this movie got seven Oscar nominations and it's people at, at their apex and doing great stuff, and Jim Brooks kind of leaning into becoming one of the best directors in Hollywood, it still is basically a sitcom, you know, or like a great dramatic sitcom. And the, those opening three segments and even the kind of epilogue at the end are very sitcom y, you know, the like putting the title, you know, the, the future Washington news reporter kind of yeah. Chiron on the screen. And the way that they set up the punchlines and the pacing and the timing of everything. It's like, it's a good, really good version of a sitcom. And it was at a time when if you did a sitcom well, it could be as good as anything. Obviously, Jim Brooks, Norman Lear, all of those people made that an art form. But I, I kind of like the tempo that it sets for the movie that's coming. You know, if you just jumped right into it, I think you would have felt like it was Trying to be too
3: dramatic in a way. Right. But With the, her grabbing the newspapers and, and then crying and then calling him, Yeah. Yeah. And,
2: well, and, and it would, you'd have, you would have had to have been something to establish the idea that people find this guy attractive and he's not smart. So you would have had to put him in a scene where he was almost humiliated in a way. Right. Mm-hmm. Whereas the idea of being humiliated as a little kid by waitresses who think you're cute, that's not really humiliating. Mm-hmm. Like it's your comments like the dad. It's like you should be happy that happened. You just don't know it yet. Yeah. You know,
0: I'm not, pro those scenes because they felt, very kind of tied to that decade to me. Like, I'm glad they exist. I think if you made the movie now, there's no question those get cut. Yeah, but I But that's mean, just yeah. kind of what we were doing in the 80s. The yeah. other
3: thing about this this movie that's so brilliant is how closely it cues to the perspective of the three main characters and we don't ever go anywhere that they don't go, which I think... Mm. Um, is often the challenge when you're making something like this because you want it to feel bigger than it actually is. But these are essentially people in a room trying to decide how to report on something. And while they do go to the jungle and they do go find that guy outside of the bus station, when they do Tripoli, when they, when they do the Libya stuff, uh, they don't go anywhere. Like It's like just all decision-making inside of a room. And that's like the brilliance of this movie. I don't know if they made it now, they'd probably have somebody on their way to the airbase in Sicily or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like they would have someone on the scene and there would be stakes would be like, is he going to die? The director would want
0: the big the yeah. big battle scene, yeah. but Jim Brooks could have given a shit. He just wanted the dialogue and the people playing off each right. other. And also probably thinking of it as like these confined places because that's basically what the movie is. Like the Albert Brooks apartment, which he's given an interview about where he said, because that scene is the most important scene in the movie. And he needed a scene where the locations could move with the characters. So it would be like go in that kitchen, the little nook, the living room, she could leave, but it, the camera could follow them around. And he said he was scouting and scouting forever, trying to find like the right place that had those kind of things. Great so, apartment.
1: It's like a DC townhouse, basically. Classic. Yeah.
0: Let's talk about him for a second. It's it's like sta- his IMDb is staggering. I think it's the number one staggering IMDb. Jim Brooks or Albert Brooks? Jim Brooks. Jim Brooks. You go through and it's like, he writes for basically every relevant 60s show. Then he creates Mary Tyler Moore show, <laughs> which then spawns Rhoda and Lou Grant, which he also created. He creates Taxi. He writes Starting Over, which is like my stealth favorite Burt Reynolds movie. In terms of Endearment Broadcasting is as good as it gets. Also produces big Say Anything, War of the Roses, Jerry Maguire, and Bottle Rocket. Yeah. Those are the five, like no misses. He goes five for five, just like with Can I Help You With That Movie. And then the Simpsons. (laughs) Oh yeah, the Simpsons. And that's like the first from the 60s all the way through the 90s. That's his career. I mean, that is like, that batting average, PR, whatever advanced metric we're using, it's the highest. And
3: he's a Clippers fan. And he's a Clippers So that's how God got him back. (laughs) God's like, fuck this guy. We're not making him a Laker fan. When you read a little bit about the making of this movie and you read about... Uh, him like interviewing, interviewing Susan Zerinsky, who winds up being the model for the Holly Hunter character. And now she yeah. runs CBS News. Um, and he had spent so much time talking to these people that everybody thought that he was making a movie about them. There was like a bunch of people who were like, oh yeah, he's going to make, it's, um, it's about a lobbyist and it's going to be about me. And he was really just gathering information. And it speaks to like his success must have just bought him the comfort of time. You know he he he's not like super prolific when it comes to movies. He tends to make four years between movies, and 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 I think that it basically allows him to be like, yeah, I'm gonna spend like a what like a couple years hanging around New York and Washington and learning every single thing I can about what it's like to be in this business, and then all of that stuff goes through the filter, and it if it it winds up helping. But it never winds up being like I'm cramming all this like research into the movie. It's always like a function of the people in a room together. Okay, so you will know this. Like how long was this movie worked on? Four years. Because there's
2: one really interesting kind of timing risk with it, which is the Gaddafi stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this yeah. movie comes out in 87. Now I don't I don't know if these are fact-checked or not, but I feel like it was like 85, 86 when the relationship with Libya was changing. There was like a bombing of a discotheque in Berlin in 1986, and a bunch of people got hurt, and two U.S. soldiers were at this club. And so, we kind of puts this into the movie, you know, where, where where they're dealing with this situation with Gaddafi, and it's not unthinkable that we could have started a war with Gaddafi
3: in 1987. I don't know right. what he do with this yeah. movie if that happened. So yeah. he'd have
0: to go backwards and pretend the movie's set in like 86 or something. Well, right?
3: even Albert uh, Brooks's read on Gaddafi is not what I think God, we think of exactly. as him.
2: Exactly. It's a very balanced. Like and it, when he's just like, he's yes. not
3: frothing at the mouth. Like, he's a, he's yeah. like a real player. Like, yes. And I, I, I thought I,
0: reading about his process, about what, what Chris was saying about how he was would take pieces from these different people, and he, one of the things he said was he he wanted, he cared so much about authenticity. If he heard a story, it just wouldn't be like, oh, this guy does it. I'm going to put that in. He would want to make sure he heard something similar from three or four people.
3: Yeah, and then people, he would put it in. If people want to read more about the relationship between uh, Jim Brooks and and Susan Zerinsky, they should definitely read Haley Emlitek's Piece on the making. Yeah, of we, when did we on, run that a year ago? Like, yeah, and it, it's yeah. just it's so good. The piece is fantastic, but it's got that stuff where I think that he tried to m- introduce himself to Zerinsky during a presidential convention, and she was like, "I'm pretty much like I'm busy. I'll talk to you later." And Leslie Stahl, who she was working with at the time, was like, "You're an idiot. That's, yeah. that's Jim Brooks. <laughs> like he's 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 like making a movie about." And he said, "People that, like
0: us." Not to step on internet research, but. The Holly Hunter character is based on this person he met in 84 when he was at these different conventions who was dating two guys at the same time who worked in TV. He he never said who it was. Maybe it would be like a deep throat thing. We'll find out uh, after they die. But that was the basis. He's like, oh, that's something. And then it goes from there. And he was really cared about what was going to happen to news, which is weird because I don't remember this being – Obviously, I was a teenager back then, but I don't remember this being a huge topic of what's going to happen to local news, but apparently it was.
1: Well, there's like phases of TV news and films, you know, literally 10 years prior you get network and the anxiety of network is a lot of essentially what comes to pass in broadcast news, which is about whether news can make money or not. And if it doesn't, what does that mean? What is the idea of truth versus the idea of show business? What's more important there? And kind of the eminent domain of a for-profit television company and trying to create something that is for a kind of national good. That's kind of like a haughty idea, but it's clearly important to Jim Brooks because he's trying to get at it. The whole layoff scene, and I suspect that we all have a lot of thoughts about how it reflects the media now, is all about that. And if you read interviews with Brooks, he always talks about what a news junkie he was, how he worked at a newspaper when he was a young guy, how meaningful that stuff is to him. And you can feel that kind of emanating off the movie, and he had
0: also done Lou Grant, which was a new it was, it was still one of the weirdest moves anyone ever made that worked where he, you have this sitcom, you pull somebody out of the sitcom and you make a drama a one hour drama out of the same character I don't even know. It would be like if Joey Tribbiani left Friends and yeah. was it became this drama about this actor in L.A. or that something.
1: That would have been good if Joey was like an HBO soprano <laughs> spinoff. That if, might have worked. If he, if he was like yeah. Barry. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Joey Tribbiani. Um,
0: Holly Hunter. I guess we'll get to what her apex was, but pretty nice run for her ending in the piano. Yeah. Wins I mean, the Oscar. Does not win the Oscar for this. In my head- I thought this movie won like seven Oscars.
1: Donut zero. It got shut out. Jesus, it was oh for a seven shut out.
0: So eighty-eight Oscars. Last Emperor wins Best Picture and Best Director. Are we good with that?
1: I mean, it's the same thing that always happens. It's like that is not Bertolucci's best movie. It's not even his third best movie. But they waited like twenty years after The Conformist to give him the, this award. And, and it, it was the same time, bullshit. And it
3: was like everybody felt really good watching it. Yeah, yeah. So if we redo the Oscars now, does
0: he still win Best Best? Film Best Director?
1: Uh, I don't think so. Although this is kind of an in- interesting year. It's like, it's Moonstruck. It's Broadcast News. It's Wall Street. It's The Last Emperor. There's a couple more that were in the mix Untouchables. there. Untouchables. The Untouchables, which wasn't nominated for Best Picture. There's a, a, a bunch more hits that were not, Wall Street was not nominated for Best Picture that year. Um, How Princess
3: Pride is that year, Raising Princess Arizona. Princess
1: Bride, Raising I mean, those weren't even. Full Metal no, Jacket. None of those movies are nominated yeah. for anything. Um, How do
0: we feel about Cher or Holly Hunter for Best Actress?
1: It's kind of a toss-up. I mean, Moonstruck was such a thing. It still holds yeah. up. Um, I like that movie.
0: How do we feel about Sean Connery in The Untouchables? That's another... Thing. Over good. Albert Brooks. That's
3: Same a make thing. good. Although yeah. I think Connery's Albert pretty Brooks good lost. Yeah. I think Connery's pretty great in Untouchables. Over <laughs> Brooks? It, they're completely different things. It's a...
0: Uh, you're a sellout. So I'm a sellout because I, I... You're a like like, sellout. You're like you're Ben
1: Stiller in reality Bites. Albert Brooks was supposed to get the Sean Connery Award for Drive in 2011 when that came out. And then he didn't get nominated. And it was like, I remember that was the big snub of that year that they didn't oh, nominate yeah. Albert right. Brooks because it was supposed to be his make good for not winning this year. That was the Ethan year. Hawk of this year, right? That's yes. a
0: movie that came and went.
1: The craziest thing about the Oscars uh, that year for... Broadcast News is it, it gets seven nominations, but Brooks does not get nominated for Best Director, which is really weird. It gets yeah. Best Editing. It gets Best Cinematography for Michael Ballhouse, who's like one of the all-time great cinematographers. He shot Raging Bull. He's one of Scorsese's guys. He does, This movie looks incredibly good. If you analyze how it's shot, it's really smart. Um, but no Brooks. It's one of those things where how can every actor be nominated, be nominated for Best Picture, all of the craftspeople be nominated, but he's not nominated. And
0: it's Moonstruck been- got nominated over for screenplay, yeah. not them. It felt, it felt like a little fuck you, you're a TV guy to me. Just, yeah, but uh, just a whiff of it. But in you mean
3: Terms of Endearment. Terms of Endearment oh, yeah, was a big Oscar like hit. just,
0: eh, fuck you. Uh, <laughs> a little, <laughs> you think you're better than me?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was Hollywood. Uh, <laughs> they, were, they were will hunting. <laughs> Michael
0: Douglas over William Hurt. Would you feel good about that?
1: Sure. I mean, it's an iconic character in movie history. Gordon Interesting Jackson.
3: inflection point for their careers, though, too. I mean, Douglas is Douglas. He's a producer as well. But, you know, he's also in Fatal Attraction that year hmm Oh, that I was that
1: was nominated for Best Picture yeah. by the way, which is fascinating.
3: Fatal Attraction. Yeah. That movie's amazing though. Yeah. When are we gonna do the Angel Heart rewatchables?
0: <laughs> <laughs> is that, <laughs> that could be one for us. <laughs> <laughs> Fatal Attraction, I would do though. That movie is such a fascinating Well, when you talk about
2: something that has held up, the idea of that movie still exists. Well, they ripped it off 700 times, Well, and not just that, but just it was, like, encapsulated this concept of, like, what is this – what is sort of this secret underlying fear of infidelity? There's all these things that should be the fear, but actually the fear is, what if the person I'm with goes insane? Yeah. (laughs) Like, you know, and it's like a – you know, and that, oh, I I won't be ignored and all that stuff. That's, like, real memorable stuff. That started
0: the From Hell movies. Nanny from hell, yeah. Landlord
1: from hell, tenant from hell. I missed us. Broadcast news is kind of the anchor from hell, you know. In, in a, a lot bit. of ways, like is William Hurt the villain of this movie or or the hero? Or
0: this is what Brooke said. He said he worked on Mary Mar- Tyler Moore for seven years. Terms of Endearment, another female-driven movie, and he started to feel like there was a new character emerging as the eighties went along. And he said, "quote Feminism was happening." There had to be a female heroine around. I went looking for her, so that brought him to Deborah Winger, who probably probably wishes that she had waited like nine months to, because she would have been nominated again. Then we'd be talking about the Deborah Winger decade. Yeah.
2: She had a nice run. What year was Urban Cowboy? early prior to that way prior yeah like okay. 19- she that she had Officer and Gentleman yeah.
0: she had Terms she had a couple other good ones I too. mean
1: Deborah Winger and William Hurt are also two sides of the same coin yeah, yeah two agree. huge like, movie ifs. stars that did so much in the 80s and that I think if you asked even a, a moderately interested moviegoer in 2019 who that person is they really would struggle to figure it out
0: yeah $15 million budget made $67 million. 98% Rotten Tomatoes Roger Ebert
1: nailed it he crushed <laughs> this one
0: Four out of four stars. Boom. He's back! Hmm. I forgot to look for Ebert when we did reality bites. He probably didn't like no, it though. I right? mentioned it. They both, yeah. Susan Lieber both them. disliked it. Yeah, okay. There you Mildly.
3: go. Mildly. Um, anything else before we get to the categories? No, I think most of the stuff I want to say we can throw in the characters. Okay. All I right, mean let's... the thing that I
2: think that is so was so interesting about watching it now is that they are essentially dealing with the concept of fake news. Mm-hmm. But then I remembered: fake news has existed forever. It's just that the term has changed. Fake news then meant, oh, you're talking about something that's not as serious as other things that are happening, or that there's some manipulation of the information we're getting. It wasn't the idea that the news was just lies, that somebody would just say something that's untrue. it was just this idea that, like, there's even the scene where, where you know, he does the piece that he ends up getting caught and crying and all that stuff. But like, you know, Albert Brooks is very dismissive of this as news. Like, why yeah. is this? Why is this news? Yes, you know, it's a personal experience. It's not a social problem. You know, um, as that I mean, that's like one of the many things that I was like, boy, it's like this is. He, there's no way you can possibly make a film that will be like, I want this to apply yeah. to something like media over time. Like, you can't do that. Yeah. It's true. And yet it worked. Like, it kind of accidentally was really prescient. I mean, you know. All right.
0: We are ready for the nominees for most rewatchable scene presented by Sling TV. If you need to refresh your memory of the nominated scenes for broadcast news, which we will get to in one second, or prep for next week's rewatchable, The Natural. My God, that is going to be amazing. Look no further than Sling TV. Sling has them both in their deep library of new and classic movies, current shows, and of course, live sports, watching your TV, phone, or tablet, whenever and wherever. Sling has broken the traditional TV bundle. You can customize your channel lineup from one month to the next. Watch what you want, when you want, where you want it. You know how I know Sling TV is the future? Nephew Kyle uses it. He can barely shop for himself. He uses Sling TV. He can't even handle a grocery store. They've also created a special ribbon for us in the Sling TV app with a bunch of the movies we've discussed on the rewatchables and the corresponding episodes of this podcast. So you can finally give a classic like Midnight Run the love it so richly deserves. Seriously, it's an all-timer. And if you heard our rewatchables podcast, The Midnight Run, you do not hear the part because we learned later when I met Damon on the BS podcast, that Midnight Run was like the most formative movie for him and Affleck when they were trying to write Good Will Hunting. So there, college basketball is in full swing. NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs, MLB opening day. They're just around the corner. Don't miss out. There's a better way to watch TV at Sling. Sign up at sling.com slash rewatchables. Sling.com slash rewatchables. Special offer just for us. Not just my listeners, but us, the hosts. 14 days free when you enter promo code RINGER. That is sling.com slash rewatchables. Promo code RINGER. Offer available to new customers only. Availability may vary by location. Other restrictions apply. And now, our nominees. All right, the categories. Most rewatchable scene. I only put six down, but I'm sure you guys have other ones. I'll just rip through these quick. The first time, uh, William Hurt is the anchor and she's in his ear. It's just really well done. And,
3: and Brooks is on the phone.
0: It's really, yeah, It's just that whole scene's really great.
2: What's it like at yes, the moment of confrontation? Correct. What's it like to be in a real dogfight? Okay, at after that this moment, guy will go for a wrap-up. Up. You'll have about 10 flexions. seconds. Ask like him weird. how does he know Center when he has a hit. Do you know you have a hit from one of those screens inside your cockpit? Or can you actually see your <laughs> missile strike the other plane with your eye? That's good. The equipment is very sophisticated.
0: When they, uh, when William Hurt and Albert Brooks are on the balcony, and he asks them to to list the uh, the, the cabinet members,
3: and, and then he
0: stops. He goes, you're enjoying this, aren't you? Like that whole scene, the interplay with those guys, I really like.
1: Can you name all the members of the cabinet?
2: Okay, let's drop it. What? I mean, I am not gonna take a test for you. I mean, if that came up in conversation,
3: we're conversing.
2: Okay, don't name them for me. Just tell me if you know. Yes, Aaron, I know the names of the cabinet. Okay. All 12? Yes, there's only 10.
0: Him teaching uh, Aaron how to be an anchor, leading to the jacket trick. Yep. Just want to mention the jacket trick when I started doing Countdown on ESPN. It works. Worked out. Yeah, because what happens if you start moving around, it starts bunching up, and it makes the things go up. So you
3: make sure that the like the bottom of your jacket you're sitting on. when
0: you're sitting down, you pull the jacket under your ass and you sit down on it. And every time
2: I did it, I thought of William Hurt. Well, was it was there somebody at ESPN who was like the person who gave you tips on how
3: to appear better? Oh God, no! No one like that. The company
0: was only making eight billion dollars a year at the (laughs) time. It would have made too much sense.
3: Drafted James Young. Did you say cut back to me, and I'll be crying?
0: Aaron's television disaster. <laughs>
3: oh my God.
0: It's just so. That one is so one of good. those where I remember the first time I did uh PTI, I was like, I just don't want to like that was the bar that you pointed to. Like, I just don't want that to happen. Yeah. Where it's just like your whole world is ending basically on live TV. The big fight after the TV disaster between uh between Jane and Aaron. And then um, and then finally Jane confronting. Bill. Tom about the video trick.
3: What else would you put do? What are we doing here? It's Bobby Bobby Bobby. Whoops. Whoops. <laughs> <coughs> <laughs> Bobby
2: Bobby. Bobby, 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 Bobby. Bobby Bobby Bobby. Bobby, Bobby,
3: <laughs> <Slam! laughs> <fool> Bobby. You got it. It's it's the tape. It's the junk you're running to get the tape to the place in time. Was it, did I have that in there? No. No. You <laughs> oh, I thought that was part of the first anchor spot. No. No. no, no. no they, they're She's getting watching. that Alright, yeah, I'll add that one. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, this is. We're all in this it's together. See, I'm just saying, I'm just, <laughs> just throwing it out there. All right, so what do you have? Bobby, it's Bobby, Bobby, Bobby. That scene is incredible.
1: We didn't, and but not the ending either when she goes to the airport? I, sure. Sure. That's like an iconic, it's like an, an iconic movie ending.
2: You could get fired for things like that. I
1: got promoted for things like that.
2: Working up tears for a news piece cutaway. You totally crossed the line between it's what is ethical to and what is garbage. They keep moving a little sucker, don't they?
1: It, it isn't the ending because there's an epilogue, but the the no one wins aspect of the ending of the movie, and I know we'll talk more about it, is like a bold, really
2: bold choice. So I, mean, I think the scene that you referenced that is the most memorable scene. I think, in fact, if I recall, when you were watching like n- night shows at that time, like you know that was the clip they used. Yeah, and, which is interesting because it doesn't really reflect what the movie is, but yeah. it's really. Senior mentioning, I, I guess I would probably say for one specific thing there, I just love this moment where when William Hurt realizes what she's mad about, he's like, I can't believe this is the thing. Like, yeah. He has yeah, yeah. a look on his face that is so authentic, that that is how it is when you can know someone's mad at you and you can't figure out why they're mad. And then they tell you and you're like that. Uh, yes, that happened. But how can this be the thing? It's just I I love that. Five
3: seconds of the movie. Chuck likes so fighting good. in movies. That's what we've learned
0: over our rewatches I do. of them. I do.
2: I love the, the best part
3: about movies. the Bobby, yeah. Bobby, Bobby scene yeah. is that it's basically, sh- it, even though it's shot. At Jane, it's told from William Hurt's perspective because they never stop to say, like, this is what we're doing. It's all like, punch in 1145, go do an overhead of this Norman Rockwell thing. We're not going to make it. We're not going to make it. And he's just like, holy shit, what have I gotten myself into? But also, Mm -hmm. he starts laughing because he's like, this is exactly where I want to be. Yeah. And you can just kind of see, like, Holly Hunter's face acting in that is so great. You could make a gif out of any second of that scene and just uh, my favorite bit is just when that guy is like i don't think she's gonna make it and he's like laughing (laughs) and he's the one who's like holding them up it's fantastic
1: the the other thing too there the other scene that i love it which i guess is kind of connected to aaron's first weekend anchoring is basically when she leaves the correspondence dinner to go to his house and they have their crazy blow up and he and and uh, out Oh, you said that yeah okay that so that fight this is like a movie with great yelling. Yeah. And the scene that you were talking about, Chris, where, you know, they're doing Libya and she's screaming and then Paul turns and he's like, I did not realize she was this good. And <laughs> and then later when he screams at her and she screams at him in Aaron's apartment is like some of the best yelling you'll ever see. Some of the most authentic, but also sitcom yelling. So that, that, that might, that's my vote, that,
0: that scene. That might be my, my vote too. Because for a few reasons, I it's like eight minutes long. And it kind of, I don't know whether they did this intentionally or whether they edited it to make it seem like that, but it kind of feels like they do it in one take. I wouldn't be surprised. It rides the whole time. And I think this was one of the reasons he wanted to pick the apartment that they could move around with the characters in. And so much happens and the peaks and the valleys and he has some, what was that one quote he had where he goes, um,
1: Tom is a very nice guy, but he is the devil.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, he has the devil speech in there, which is awesome. But I think that's also where he has the, I would give anything if you were two people, so that I could up the one who's my friend and tell about the one I like so much. Yeah, um, but he just—he ha- has these like Confucius um, statements in there. That devil monologue is amazing. I want Craig. Let's hear that.
2: Don't get me wrong when I tell you that Tom, while being a very nice guy, is the devil.
3: This isn't friendship. You're crazy, you know that?
2: What do you think the devil's gonna look like if he's around? God.
3: Come on, no one's gonna be taken in by a guy
0: with
2: a long, red pointy tail. Come on, what's he gonna sound like? Ah! No. I'm semi-serious here. You're serious He will be attractive. He'll be nice and helpful. He'll get a job where he influences a great God-fearing nation. He'll never do an evil thing. He'll never deliberately hurt a living thing. He'll just bit by little bit lower our standards where they're important. Just a tiny little bit. Just coax along, flash over substance. Just a tiny little bit. And he'll talk about all of us really being salesmen.
0: And he'll get all the great women. And he's great in it. And I think that's like my favorite... Albert Brooks is a little polarizing, I think. I think some people are completely all 1 million percent and other people are kind of take it or leave it. He is, I'm more in the take it or leave it camp.
1: He is literally one of my heroes. Yeah, I, I think he is one of the most creative and influential people of the last 50 years. I, I think he's so, and this is just him acting, you know, right. he, He's obviously yeah. a hugely creative person who's done a lot of stuff, but just as an actor, he's so funny and Sad and melancholy and angry and interesting in this movie at all. Well, times. Like,
2: And one thing I assumed that he ha- it couldn't have been in the script. I assumed he just did was when he is not involved with the Qaddafi stuff, so he's at home drinking. And at one point, he's sort of like, "I'm reading and I'm singing at the same time." It's <laughs> yeah. like I can do this or yeah. whatever. It's like that you couldn't really put that into a script because you would need someone to be you know at that I. I just, I, I really like that part in the movie too. Yeah. <laughs>
0: the peaks and valleys of that scene ending with her, him realizing how upset she is that her date fell through. And then he's like, it was good to see you, Jane. Yeah. Just like as icy <laughs> as possible. The thanks scene for, stopping yeah, thanks yeah. for stopping by. Thanks uh, for stopping by. All right. So we're split on that one. What's age the best? Just quickly, we mentioned some of the stuff, but the theme of an unkillable media institution starting to die. That's aged pretty well. We've lived this mm. two other ways.
2: I, I would say it's the central problem of working in media. Yeah. That's what I, I keep going back to this, but it just really surprised me how the the what the reason he seems to want to write this movie is to sort of sort of grapple with this When well, he wants he wants to write a romance in one way, but he also wants to sort of deal with this problem that he sees that still exists, you know? Um uh it 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 should not feel as contemporary as it does. Yeah. I have Aaron as a
0: he's kind of a proxy for whatever the internet's going to be 10 years from now. (laughs) You think so? Angry, clever. It's like really holding holding. He's got all these things that would eventually seep into the actual internet. That's smart. Um, Aaron's theory and the devil, a really solid theory. The devil would, wouldn't be somebody we would realize. Piece by
1: piece, lower our standards bit by bit.
0: If he doesn't see me soon, we're not supposed to be together when she goes to the correspondence dinner and she's, She's kind of waiting in that balcony. Yeah. And then he looks up. His acting so good in that scene. He sees her. He does the mock, like fallback. He
1: clutches his heart.
0: Um, Nicholson's reaction to when the guy <laughs> says, Well, you could dump a million dollars of your salary. <laughs> <laughs> and he just stops and turns. Great, uh, Nicholson. And then uh, Joe Cusack saying, Except for socially, you're my role model. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was awesome.
3: Jane, I got to tell you something. Yeah. Except for socially. I know you're
0: my role model but the Holly Hunter character just in general is aged the best because anyone who's worked in media has run across the Holly Hunter character from either sex and you know that's that person who's just like just fucking calm down and have a drink you can go home. It's okay.
1: It
2: doesn't work like that. Yeah. <laughs>
1: well,
0: and also, <laughs> I mean, all three,
2: all three characters, though, because there's also the idea of the guy who's too smart to succeed and the guy who succeeds because he's not that smart. Right. And that and that happens over and over again in life, you know?
3: Anything else for you, yeah. Chris? I mean, I think that weirdly, like, it. you know, the first thing you mentioned about the media institutions suddenly becoming inst- unstable is it's what's aged the best and what's aged the worst is the centrality of, like, news in our life as a – daily rather than constant uh, presence. So yeah. it's basically, I remember when they do the, uh, I think it's when they watch the the Rockwell, the, the Soldier Coming Home segment, and they're all gathered around the television and they're all just kind of like, yes. And then like, you know, uh, Nicholson takes them out. It just kind of reminded me of like the way that my family was oriented around watching the national news. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, you'd watch basically the half hour of local news and then you'd watch Dan Rather or Peter Jennings at at six thirty or seven or whatever it was, and it's so crazy because they're talking about the rise of entertainment tonight, which is sort of this ominous thing and the idea of news as as entertainment and as and for profit. But I think what's aged the best is that idea that like the news was something you waited for and that really did set the tone and the agenda for the rest of the day. But it wasn't this constant nattering in your ear. It was basically. It was in the morning when you woke up, you read the newspaper, and it was
0: at 6 and 6.30 when you, you watch that happened. news. And yeah. then if you want to stay up till 11, those are the three times a day you found out what happened.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah there was something kind of quaint about the Libya scene where they have to kind of do a special report yeah. and everybody has to go into the office because the way that network news operates now, everybody is there all the time, and there's always someone ready to do a special report. Yeah. It doesn't have to be this crack team that they pull together at the last minute who are at a dinner party or something. It's just that whole experience has completely changed and i had the same relationship chris i mean just six o'clock p.m every day at the dinner table the tv was on who did you who did you guys watch peter jennings it was always abc we watched dan rather
0: i remember after my parents got divorced when i went my mom lived in connecticut and i used to go see my mom before i eventually moved there for a few years there was a show called live at five with sue simmons and chuck scarborough yeah Hmm. and it was of course it was just on forever, but it was the first time I had ever seen a show that was that really polished. That was my they local had great news. Great had yeah, great uh And that was, it was a really important show and you learned a lot from it.
1: And Institution. Boston totally. had
0: versions of it that weren't nearly as good as that. I had a couple more tiny, what's age the best. Albert Brooks' son at the end, how, <laughs> how much he looks like Albert Brooks. Was that like a casting call yeah, Cliff or Brooks. was that, was he actually related to him? It's, yeah. it's just uh,
2: incredible how much he looks like. Also was age well about that. Always a good gift for a kid you don't know that well a kaleidoscope yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like it's like, it's like I don't know anything about this kid because I don't know him anymore but he's like this yeah, you it's know smart. it's like you know I'd still uh, buy that for someone
0: you know Lois Childs, the anchor that William oh, yeah. heard has the affair with um a legend from this she was a moonraker I think she was the lead woman oh, in that right um she, she is a a great arc in this movie. Finally hooks up with them. Yeah. And then the next scene, next time you see her, yeah. she's in Alaska. because They so you know moved her. She's great in this. They
3: have this, that great conversation where she's asking uh, Jane about whether or not like they're together, because if not, she'd like to start yeah. seeing him outside the office. Yeah. Do you think that this movie is particularly like accurate about the popularization of, of people going to therapy in the 80s and getting a little bit more in touch with both their feelings, but being more... Well, able to articulate what they want in life or how they think they deserve to be treated Because I feel like there's like a certain, it's not even neurotic as much as it's just very like in touch with, hey, this is me trying to get what I want in a, in a, in a good way. And I'm not trying to barge through here. It's just so much different than the seventies. Like everything is soaked in whiskey and cutthroat about network. And this, it's like a little bit more, everybody is like, even William Hurt's character kind of gets it. Like, he kind of sees the way people see him.
1: I think because of the humanizing quality of Jim Brooks's writing, you kind of forget that this is a movie about really successful professional people. Yeah. You know, kind of operating at the absolute height of their industry. I mean, they're on network television doing the news. Now, even though that it sometimes seems like it's a bedraggling kind of job, th- these are really successful erudite kind of tony people. They're basically upper class and the idea of Aaron at the end of the movie kind of going to Portland is considered like a huge step down from the corridors of Washington D.C. So I feel like if you fu- if you see people in the movie who are able to communicate in sophisticated ways, it's cuz they're pretty sophisticated people. And whether they're in therapy or they just read a lot or they know that they're very driven and that alpha 80s quality is kind of at the forefront of everything we lose sight of
2: that because people seem like such basket cases inside the workplace. This is something that I, I think maybe, maybe it changed quickly. Maybe it's still going on. I don't know. Cause I haven't worked in an office for a while, but you know, in the eight years I worked in newspapers and then in magazines, especially in newspapers though, the majority, or at least a large percentage of the people in the office who were married, were married to each other. Yeah. It was very mm-hmm. common for that to happen, you know? And you'd be, and because you, know, especially if you have a job that, your identity is tied to it. It's it's like you feel like it's like the thing you were saying, yeah. you know. It makes sense that there's some things you only kind of talk about with people who do what you do what you do. And I, I can, so that scene actually seemed, the one you referenced, like I feel like I've seen different and experienced different versions of that in my life where like two people work closely together. And a third person asks one of them, it's like, I see you guys together all the time. Is anything happening? And if it's not, I'm going to ask this person out. Sure. Like, because I can't tell – if your work relationship is just, just like your or, inter-office kind yeah, of charming. That, yeah. That seems to happen all the time. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, and I, but now, well, now I feel like there's a real, I mean, and you guys can speak to this more than I could. Like that's not supposed to happen at all now. Right. Like, no, you're not really supposed to date anyone you work I, with. Let's move right to what's age the worst. <laughs> um, Cause 20 years from now, everybody will be working in a suit of armor. Yeah. Um, it, it is but even you're peers, watch- you're not supposed to date now, right? Yeah,
0: it's a it's, it's complicated
2: man. subject, so no. Check.
0: No.
1: So, dude, maybe we should just preemptively cancel this co- part of the conversation <laughs> no. for HR reasons.
0: I I was going to say. Well, I'm really interested in this now. I, like, it's trust me, watch <laughs> the <that laughs> movie. you got nothing to lose Bill's here, buddy. Bill's about to down half a <laughs> yeah, million Sean. dollars
3: for everybody to get suits of armor. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, we can <laughs> get a deal on the suits of armor. Yeah, now. right. No, they, so they almost hook up and then he says after, I'm actually going to be working with you in the office. And if that happens down in 2019, it's over.
1: Yeah. Because
0: he's, he's, she's technically his boss. Mm -hmm. That's it. It goes nowhere. In this movie, it it makes the romance and the love triangle even more interesting. Everybody's working together and they're all gone. That's just kind of what the eighties was like. We didn't have the internet. You were going to meet the people at work or at a bar exactly. or at a party, and that's it. How is that we was we going to meet The somebody? only ways
2: you were going to really get to know anyone was to work with them. There was no really other way unless you saw them in the same social situations over and over and over again. And um, My friend Wilds from ESPN,
0: Libby, who I worked with 30 30, she walked in like on her first day, and Wilds said to Jacoby, I'm going to marry that girl someday. Mm-hmm. And they got married. They have two kids. Is that for real? That's an actual story. Wow. And it's one it's of like my favorite Brooks couples. Movie. But like now, <laughs> I, in 2019, I, I don't know. So anyway, that, it is. it just feels very specific to the 1980s.
1: I think the thing that has changed is that there is a lot more... It, it, people are sort of more careful and there's a lot more intensity around putting things out in the open... I, people are still meeting each other at work and getting together. That's that's literally never going to change because the amount of time that you spend with people, the proximity effect that you guys are talking about, I don't think that stuff's ever going to change. I think the kind of sensitivity around it is what has changed a lot. And in here, you know, it's not that weird for... Holly Hunter to be in a kind of, sort of, kind of a love triangle, even though it's, I wouldn't say that this is even specifically
2: a love triangle. It's be- like a mental abuse love yeah. triangle. Yeah, well, it, it also is interesting to think that, okay, in this, in the context of this movie, the woman asks Holly Hunter, is anything going on with you? Now, actually, if you're William Hurt, you would be looking at Holly Hunter and Albert Brooks and their relationship you would think you would go to Albert Brooks and say, like, what's going on with you and her? Like, you know, but that never happens. That's true. It's right. like never on the table. Yeah. Right. Um, and, and I'm not sure if that is just something that was not part of the story or if there is an intentionality to that, that the idea that mm. that w- whereas a woman would be concerned because there another thing you talk about things that don't hold up. I'm not sure if would the idea of sending someone to Alaska to keep away from it, would that be perceived now as kind of a woman being against her? yeah she's like she' like, an h r suit, yes, yeah, so that you can't well, I don't know she'd who she might not put it together because it is a good story. it's an Alaskan serial killer, but yeah. it's just like the the idea that she would do that because for the most part, Holly Hunter's flaws in this movie um are problems for herself. she doesn't go around hurting other people, yeah, except in this one case right she's, you know right. and I don't i I was, I remember, I didn't remember that at all from the, I mean, I hadn't seen this movie since 1989 or something. So there was, I'd forgotten Jack Nicholson was in it. Yeah. Like I, I totally forgotten that part of it. So, but that's, that struck to me like that's, I wonder, they wouldn't do that now. I don't think they'd have her send someone to Alaska to keep her away from a guy. Another thing Uh, that has uh, aged the worst. We mentioned earlier,
0: but when they're showing the date rape segment and and, uh, Aaron's like, come on, what is this? Where's the real news? I'm pretty sure that wouldn't happen now. At the same time, he's coming from that angle, which we talked about, which news was supposed to be news and not, was it these personal stories? or was it you weren't trying to be People Magazine. Yeah, I mean, that was fake
3: fake news in 1987. Haley writes about that scene really well. I would argue that Aaron's story about the soldier coming home is just as sort of like— yeah, it has a little bit of syrup on it Completely as well. Agree. I mean, it's like he's just being a dick because like, like if I do it, it's okay, but if you do it, I'm going to have something to say about. Well, it. You
1: really blew the lid off of Nookie. That's a great. That's <laughs> right, a great eighties yeah. yeah. well, sentence the, that you'd never hear again. Yeah. In 2018,
3: yeah. that is. Uh,
0: the, you're you're packing up your office. Actually, you're getting your office packed up for you. Yes,
2: it's a thing where it's like also where like the news they think about the news differently where it's like you can't show a guy f- tying his shoes unless he's naturally tying his shoes mm-hmm. so the I, so w- if that sort of is the bar of what constitutes how, what we're doing here then the idea of anyone's you know anything that's only happening to one person is almost not news in that world yeah. it's got to happen to s- the people, not just a person. You know, I would argue that that's true of almost every
1: iteration of news. Unless you happen to be stumbling upon an event happening in real time, there is a performative aspect to being a reporter because you are talking to people after something has happened and trying to gather information. And when that person talks to you, they are performing their memory. You are performing as an interviewer to try to compel them to speak to yeah. you. All of that stuff is all baked into this too. With TV, it's particularly acute because. You're on television, so you have, you're have wearing makeup, and it's cut together, and there's music. But there is something so interesting, because Chris, I totally agree with what you're saying. And I feel like the movie is actually smart about that. I think it's actually saying that there's not such a wide chasm between what William Hurt's character does and what Albert Brooks's mm. character does, but that we tend to like obsess over what we define as the ethical choices in our mm. work or why sure, shit well, is important. But they sure. would
2: say the difference is motive. Mm-hmm. That even if even if what they're doing is ultimately more similar than different, the ah uh, the the motive that Hurt has to amplify the story by placing himself in it and placing in the the signifier of emotion that is like a that is then cinematic, whereas Albert Brooks is not doing anything that different, but his motive is simply that we should prioritize what is important because people need to know these. Well, but things. wait a second, though, yeah. is,
0: it's different in that. William Hurt wants to do that story because it's a good story for him.
1: And Whereas Albert Brooks is the Albert same Brooks, Yeah. He he is insecure He
0: wants Jack Nicholson to notice him. him. This is like a yeah. this is like some sort of more altruistic, but it's really not.
1: But it's
3: not and that's the, the thing same is. It means to the end. It's right. the
1: lies we tell
0: ourselves. It's like he
3: can speak Spanish and he can get, you know, he can do that kind of stuff and William Hurt can engage with people on a human level. And yeah. yes, he might then go back in post and add his tears, but you could make the argument that Holly Hunter and Albert Brooks putting the Rockwell picture as an as like a, a dissolve over that guy going home is yes. like equally manipulative. Yeah. It's Hollywood. Yeah, absolutely. Totally. It's Yeah, it's on screen. It's going to be manipulative.
0: More what's age the worst. Um, Holly Hunter's hair and dress at the correspondence dinner. My wife was watching most of the movie with me and when she comes out, my wife audibly gla- gasped and then just started yelling at the TV. Why did they do this to her? It's, it's pretty rough. The hair but is but it's funny. it's
1: the 80s. Like when she appears in the next scene and she just has the short bob, she looks great. Yeah, she looks great. Yeah. So it's funny that that was like her were souping it up.
0: <laughs> her her outfit at the end wasn't great either. And then Tom's fiance at the end. I, I don't know. I just, I didn't get that one at all. Seven years had passed. We'll talk about the seven
3: years later, but. It I just, thought that was like a nice touch. I mean, like I have a lot of issues with the released very ending, but I thought it was a nice touch because when you are in a relationship with someone, you kind of can only view that person with you. You can only like imagine them with you. And then when you see them with somebody else later down the line, you're like, you're like, you're like a completely different, like a foreign, you're an alien, like to have, t- and there's this guy with like, or a girl with him and you're just- That's like, all fine.
0: I do? just wanted him to be married to like a 22 year old smoke show weatherman. <laughs> wa- weather I, like, I couldn't believe that was the easiest layup ever that he should have been married to like the weather lady who's like,
2: this is Victoria and she's 22. Do we have to wait still? Or can we talk about that scene you sent us? No, we're going to wait. We're getting to it.
0: Hey, let's take a quick break to talk about Bud Light. Did you know not all alcohol products are required to list their ingredients? That was news to me. Bud Light is changing the game, much like James Brooks did with this movie. They believe that we deserve to know our beer's ingredients, and that's why they put an ingredients label right on their packaging. Bud Light, brewed with hops, barley, water, and rice. No corn syrup, no preservatives, no artificial flavors. Find out what ingredients are in your beer. Bud Light, enjoy responsibly. AB, Bud Light Beer. St. Louis, Missouri. We uh, Casting What Ifs, we did everything. Also considered that Holly Hunter beat out Sigourney Weaver, Judy Davis, Elizabeth McGovern, who I always kind of liked. Mm-hmm. Christine Lottie and Elizabeth Perkins. Lottie would have been good. Deanne Waiters Award.
2: What's the Dion Waiters award, Chuck? Uh, so the Dion Waiters award—the way you have it—is who does the most with the least. It doesn't involve the person being a lunatic, or yeah. Any of that. It's, Although it's just, often
3: it does. Yeah, so, sometimes that, I doubt it. That's a, just because our taste tends to to veer towards. That. Our
0: nominees are Jack Nicholson, Joan Cusack,
2: Lois Chiles, or the TV music composer guys. I'm gonna go Cusack. I would do. I think I would. I, I, she's pretty memorable in that movie, considering how little she's
3: on screen. Just and also does the Jurgen Klinsmann slide underneath the uh, the filing cabinet.
1: Um. Well, co- just one quick thing about the music composer guys. So, you know, one of those guys is is Mark Shaman. Was one of the most successful composers <laughs> in Hollywood history. He wrote all, all of the songs in Mary Poppins Returns. Um, so that's like a great moment for him. Uh,
0: Big finish! Yes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> also, if you, if you were ever confused about whether or not the guy who made this movie made sitcoms, that's the most sitcom y scene yeah. of all time. That
0: scene's really funny. Da, da, da.
3: I love it too. I, Strings.
1: <laughs> I think that Jack Nicholson. I'd like to know what you guys think about this. Is maybe the greatest check performer in the history of American not, movies. He was. He was he, also my vote no for this me. as well.
3: There's no. There's no between this Reds, Few Good Men. In some ways, Terms of Endearment and even the
1: Joker, like movies where he is not the star, he can take over a movie like no one else. He is in this movie probably the smallest of any movie he's ever made.
3: And he's got nothing to do. He's he's just reading news. And one time he goes to the office and deadpans. It seems like now it's become a lost art like Denzel Washington doesn't do this. Yes. No. And I kind of wish he would. I kind of like, I've always sort of wanted like or a cruise well, because they're talking about, he, I guess he kind of did it in Tropic Thunder. Yeah. yeah. But he's in that movie a lot, but this they, is like, f- if they do a few good men, like Denzel should play Jessup. Like they, they, if they're doing that on NBC, like I, Write the check, you know, but it's like God, I wish people would do this more often, where they would just show up for like two scenes and just you know his, steal the. His movie. whole
2: career has been like that. When you think about it, though, like all the way back when he's making the, the you know, like the Fonda uh, oh, Easy like, Rider, like, yeah, Easy Rider. That's, he's a writer, that's the water, kinda, yeah. he has this small role in the beginning, and it's a real memorable thing. And I think he was like, I like the way people respond to this. You know, it's like that they like that. I so when you're uh,
0: talking, I vote for I vote for him for this. When you talk about the greatest actors of all time. And the criteria can be endless. But I do think this should be a category for whatever that conversation is, where it's just like, by sheer charisma, can you carry just four weird scenes in a movie that you're not important in? And every time you're in it, I'm just looking at you and wanting to see what your character does. There's just not a lot of actors who could do that. I think it's basically like Brando. It's him. I think Denzel could have done this. I'm just. saying like, he could have been charismatic, Denzel, yeah, yeah, for it. Yeah. But I mean, it's it, really not it's like a long around, list. Like, I guess.
3: Would you say that De Niro in *Untouchables* is like? This? I don't think De Niro could have done this. But it, like, he's only in like four or five scenes in *Untouchables*, right?
1: He's just. But he is like the bad guy. Yeah. You know, this movie. Yeah, this Nicholson, guy's is just
0: wearing a suit. He's a normal anchor. He, he
1: represents kind of the pomp and wealth of a person who does this. But I think his best scene is the scene as the layoffs are happening. And he sort of like slinks away around the corner right. of the desk, no dialogue, and you can just kind of see him he like removing himself. Yeah. yeah.
0: And but like now you'd have like George Clooney play this part or something. Yeah. It just wouldn't have the same impact. I don't feel like. He's, he's just Damon got one does of those this faces. Sometimes.
3: Damon does this. Interstellar. He shows up in a couple of movies. That's true. Like yeah.
2: Mm. Is
3: this something is something about Slightly off topic, but like okay, is the thinking with Nicholson
2: now? Because it feels like he's at a point in his life where. There would be a big sort of retrospective piece about his life and his career. But is he just kind of trying to run out the clock? Because if anyone wrote about his life, there would all be these kind of problematic things from his past. Oh, interesting. And that that would change his legacy. So he's like, I just got to run the clock out and die. And then, like, you think he's great- in the four corners. Well, kind of. Yes, yeah. He's like North Carolina in 1978, and he's like, you know, I, I, it's that because it seems as though he would be a prime candidate for this. People to be like, we have to look back on this sort of towering
0: but figure. The, the Polanski thing happened at his house, right? Well, and then what? he's like that. There's all kinds mm-hmm. of. Yeah, it, it, it just, I'm sure he it, it is. It almost probably. seems
2: like he's avoiding, like, I, does he even go to Laker games? Anymore? I don't, he, he does sometimes. He yeah. does. I don't think his house no. in great shape.
1: He, um, I mean, he's 81 years old. He purposefully retired nine years ago. Yeah. His last movie was a Jim Brooks movie. Yeah. How do you know? Which is really bad. Um, I, I don't think that that's what's happening. I think that maybe it's possible that that has prevented him from
3: well, making some be, sort of comeback. There
2: couldn't be any, like a New Yorker piece about him that wouldn't sort of, approach some of these issues. Sure. Um, the other, I, also, I'd, I'd this, love to know
3: what he's been approached with movie-wise over the last 10 years. Like oh, what they've tried to get him yeah. to do. Oh, yeah. I'm um, sure it's
2: a lot. Also, I don't know if this was mentioned, but for this Dion Waiters thing, what about William Hurt's dad? He's pretty good in this for being in Tucson. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Who is that I, guy? I had him coming
0: up yeah. later because he's uh, one of those guys. Have fast Internet Research Albert Brooks was watching CNN when a reporter he'd never seen before and hasn't seen since began sweating badly. <laughs> he phoned James L. Brooks at 3 in the morning and said Aaron had to start sweating during this. what became the sweating scene.
3: When the makeup lady comes out and he's doing it, she's just like, Jesus. Like,
0: <laughs> Jack Nicholson not paid for his role at his own request. Unpaid. The best. Unpaid? Uh, I thought
2: that was unpaid. legal. Like you had to give him the saggy like scale, scale. Yeah. yeah.
0: It's awful. That scene, uh, James Brooke yeah. made them do twenty four takes, which he doesn't usually do because he wanted it to be perfect. He thought it was the key part of the movie. Hmm. Yeah. Switching Channels was made in nineteen eighty eight with Kathleen Turner and Burt Reynolds. Was like almost like a competitor of this movie, and uh, and was a critical and box office failure, and started a Kathleen Turner slide, huh. which I capitalized on I've never, never heard of that movie. All right, so the alternate ending. I sent it to. Uh, it's on YouTube. You can watch it, out, those of you listening out there. James L. Brooks said he was open to who Jane would end up with at the end of the movie. He told Premier Magazine, the cab ride at the end when she gets in the car and she starts telling the cab driver, and then she just gives up and is like, go whatever way you want. So they're filming that scene and he tried to surprise her. Him and William Hurt figured out William Hurt would do jump into the cab, and basically ad-lib the scene that is the alternate ending scene. She had no idea it was coming. And they winged that scene for two minutes. William Hurt knew what he was going to say. and Holly Hunter was such a good actor. Jim Brooks said, I knew I'd get one take. I knew that Holly wouldn't break character. And I would get, who knows? I was super excited about it. Um, it's ready. And a guy in the crew gave it away by saying, Bill, just before we started a roll, and it ruined it. And I had an out of body experience. And then he said, Hurt and Hunter saw that scene later, and they both thought I should have ended the movie that way, but it wasn't right.
2: I'll I'll tell you what, you know, I hadn't seen that. I didn't know that existed. Can you just
0: describe quickly, like, what happens in that scene for the people? So the scene is she's in the cab. Yeah. He jumps
2: in out of nowhere. And makes this huge pitch, and they start making out, and the movie ends. And they make out in a very interesting way. I got to say, I'd never seen that till today. There is no way I would have cut that out of the movie because the acting in that scene is amazing. Is and amazing. there's something that he says when he's like – he's trying to kind of convince her. He's sort of like, yeah, I can't – I won't get it exactly. But he basically is like, you know – there are some things about this that I'm good at. Like I can learn the things I don't know. Yeah. And the things I do know, no one can teach me. And I'm like, that's an insightful characterization of what he does. I would have left that in. I feel like it's a better ending than the one that they used. But when a movie is this good, like I don't know if I really feel comfortable saying so, that. But some people
0: like that. She doesn't end up with anybody in the end because in mm-hmm. every movie, the uh, love triangle, then, sure. then somebody's yes. got to end up with somebody. Yeah. And in this one, she basically just ends up with her job. Yeah. And some people like that.
2: It's actually more realistic. Yeah. I think yeah. after is, seeing I, this, it, I would have ended it with this. Enough, I
3: think you could have done both. Like, I think she could have had her moment with him in the cab, and then you can find out years later that they're yeah. not together and that they've all kind of oh, that's a with good their lives. Yeah.
1: I think that would have been a good solution.
3: But that probably wouldn't have tested well if they did test it. There's another one. There's on the no current. way
1: this version tested well. The version that they did is one of the all time downer endings. I know. What? I just, I like
3: honestly hit stop after it, when she's in the cab, I just stopped the movie. What do you think? I mean, it's not, it doesn't ruin the movie, but it's like that just even when you sent that today, I was like, God damn it.
0: I was going to talk about it in nitpicks. I hate the ending of this movie, which is weird because this is one of my favorite movies and actually like watching it, even though I don't like it, Mm -hmm. but it's just a, it's just a, just doesn't work. It's really weird, and it's like, it's raining. It's like, come over here to the gazebo, and right. there's jackets, and he stays for one second, <laughs> then he leaves, yeah. and then it's just like, all of it is just weird. And they're also
2: like, well, I guess we'll be working again together. Yeah, then. did you, you take the job out? Oh, I did. Yeah. It's like, it,
0: it just wrapped it up so tightly. Yeah. I hated it. And then it was like seven years later, yeah. it took him seven more years to get the Nicholson job.
3: Yeah, well, well, that's I'm not surprising. That, that so, yeah, I don't
2: Also, know. Yeah. Albert Brooks needed to have a kid who was old enough to have a colitis. I guess so. That yeah. <laughs> so they had to have at least <laughs> yeah. five years in there. Yeah. Um. But so he clearly he went to Portland. He met somebody. They got pregnant. It happened fast because that kid actually looks. You older probably than drank seven. with them before Blazers <laughs> games. <laughs> <laughs> um, Aaron's but you Chris is right though. It would have been interesting if they would have ended the use the alternative ending, and then we see this scene and we're like, why are they coming? from different places, who are they talking about? You'd be like, oh, like most people who date in their early 20s, they didn't live the rest of their life together. Although you did, Sean. I
1: did, actually, yes. 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 Although we did not meet (laughs) at a network news job.
3: (laughs) The alternative would be you you graduate it and you just kind of like, you do the Michael Clayton graduate ending of just like her in the cab and it just, that's it. You know what I mean? You don't know what happens to her. It's not the point. It's just been this moment in her life. I, mean, I also feel like it should have worked,
2: though. Her giving up on the directions to the cab driver, that also is a good moment. That would be great. Right. That's a good mm-hmm. moment in the movie. So it would be, you would lose that with the alternative.
0: And then it should have been, she should have gone to a rescue shelter and gotten a cat yeah. and then bought a pack of yeah. cigarettes. And then the movie ends with her just- <laughs> Cleaning cat litter, knowing this is going to be the rest of her life. Smoke and cigs. I don't know. Uh, I like the alternate ending more than the actual ending, but I think neither of them were ideal.
1: It's so funny because most movies don't have a good ending at all. And I think you can make the case that this movie has two good endings, which is pretty rare. Um, I don't know that they're necessarily classically satisfying. Like them not ending up together is not classically satisfying, right? But and I, I like
0: that they did it that way.
1: I do too. And I, but I, 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 I agree with what Chuck said, which is that when you watch that scene, the acting is so incredible. And even though it's like not really edited or anything, and you can tell that it's kind of unfinished in a way, there's so much intensity between the two of them. They have some something that
2: feels so real yeah. that you buy that they would not be able to quit each other. Okay, how would you guys feel about this hypothetical ending? So we were really talking about the idea that what Albert Brooks does and what William Hurt does is not that dramatically different in truth. So what, how would you have felt if Albert Brooks tells Holly Hunter to you know go back and watch the tape? Yeah, she sees it. She's initially upset, and then she realizes I don't care. It doesn't matter. I'd rather mm. be with this person than have this sense of credibility that, you know, I think that, yeah, well, exactly. I think it portrays so the character. That's the thing is also, I do
3: feel like in the last 10 years I've started, I think because of like criticism is sort of bended towards this a little bit where like individual decisions of characters are somehow representative of like a larger, absolutely. Uh, like a larger choice on the part of the creators of the film or television show. Yes. So mm-hmm. if someone does this, it's the creator being like, this is Okay. Or this yeah. is the right decision. It's Lady Gaga singing at SNL
0: that terrible song in <laughs> A Star Is Born. No, it's I mean, an intentionally it, bad the thing decision. Is,
2: if that were to happen, I think the critical reading now would be she gave up. He is saying it doesn't matter. He broke. He her. is he well, or that ultimately it would almost almost be seen like nihilistically, like ultimately she doesn't really care if things are fake or real because what's fake and what's real? And yeah. I, but I I think that would have been another way. Then they could have went off on their trip. You know, it's like yeah. You know, Let's go to Apex Mountain.
0: Jim Brooks? Yes. I say yes to. Yes. Because he has now fully established himself Mm -hmm. as a A A-list movie director, but he's also already in the Hall of Fame for TV and he's like a year away from taking a Simpsons meeting, and this is like the perfect yeah. point of his career.
2: Um, it is. I, su- I mean, because you're saying this—the point in the person's career when they have the most, the most leverage. everything, most leverage, most power, yeah. most yeah. use. Because yeah. I mean, you know, the Simpsons thing is interesting. this fastball. there are little parts of this movie where you can definitely see like this is the person who does the Simpsons. Like there's elements yeah. of humor that come through. I suppose it would have to be him. Yeah, though. I mean, that's, William Hurt. Uh indisputably yeah it has to be i think A
1: exactly.
0: third more, consecutive more than, oscar nomination more than more than winning the oscar i guess would be more the than Brooks.
3: oh well it's not an either or for this, this we can one. make it oh, a yeah, multiple it's Oh, points. really yes we can
2: spread boundary. this movie's yeah. ashes yeah. Yeah. over well, the well, this apex might be a, this would be everyone then it, right for all the main players it's definitely holly hunter my yeah. answer would have been yes for everybody yeah i think that's
1: the answer yeah yeah I think it's Holly it, Hunter
0: for the piano. I, I just don't feel like that movie had the same impact or lasting impact that this movie did.
2: This movie and Raising Arizona are her two best movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, boy, it sure feels like Raising Arizona is closer to now than Broadcast News is. Yeah, but it was the same year. Yeah, I, I, that blows my mind. Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, that was easy. Apex Mountain. Joan Cusack. <laughs> no. Uh,
3: well, would say anything. Eighty-eight. No,
2: eighty-nine. Eighty-nine. That would probably be for her, I guess.
3: Well, she doesn't say anything, right? How about Bob Prosky? She, well, she's a uh, she's I actually. love Bob you know, Prosky. She, I, hope you were, I knew you were going to bring him up. She's really
2: good in the High Fidelity film. <laughs> yes, uh, that's what she's. Yeah, <laughs> I, don't, I, mean, I mean, I don't know what her apex great, would be. Good. I guess yeah. this, yeah. sure. Yeah. The Joey
0: Pants Award for the best of that guy, William Hurt's dad. I don't even know what his name is, so he's a candidate. He's great. The
1: uh, you getting to
0: Prosky? Yeah, it's time.
1: Prosky. It's Prosky time, Chris. Pro- Prosky. We didn't, we didn't play in the set of time. One of the great mammoth actors. He is amazing. He's not, Thief is his best, in my opinion. He is unbelievable in Thief.
0: I love all Prosky, so I don't I don't pick Prosky.
1: Prosky had this interesting transition through his career where he was like kind of sinister in the late 70s, early 80s. He was basically 80s. Wilford
0: Brimley in the firm yeah. for
1: like a whole decade. <laughs> but then he turned into good grandpa. You know, he's basically a good grandpa in this movie. And he has a couple of really good moments. You know, when he takes Aaron out and he tells him that he's going to get laid off. And then he's like, I need to go be alone. And he's like, okay, I'll join you. You know, I love that part. And he also has the moment where he uh, sits down with Jane and he's like, I know you're not as good as me, but I need you to take this job because I'm leaving no matter what. You know, both of those moments are so good. Those those kinds of actors are like my favorite thing about movies. What if
3: Evil Brimley had had this role, Chris? (laughs) (laughs) Jane, there's going to be some layoffs. You're going to go down to the... Mailbox. Get your newsweek, <laughs> your US News and World Report. I don't know who what the person find? is,
2: but there's that one character who's like he works in the control room and he is really he really likes when William Hurt compliments him because he never gets again. that guy looks so much like Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yes, he does. So that's that guy was
0: but, from Bad Influence with James uh, Spader and yeah. a couple other things, yep. and then was I don't know what else. Can, can I just he, uh he's a Bobby.
3: Christian
1: can, Clemenson is his name?
3: Can oh. I briefly just say we kind of undersold. Joan C- Cusack there for a second. I just looked at her IMDb. Uh 8586 SNL, Broadcast News in 87, Married to the Mob in 88, Working Girl in 88,
0: and she's good in Working Girl. Say
3: Anything 89, and then Men Don't Leave My Blue Heaven in in 90. That's pretty that's a pretty great 5-year run. Joan Cusack. Uh
0: I'm going with Prasky. Uh Saul Rubinek, they knew. What do you got, Chris?
3: <laughs> Man, what is it? Because this movie's so understated. I. Do, it's funny they people dial it up, but it doesn't feel it's like, like it's overacting. You could say any Holly Hunter crying scene, but that's almost because of the way it's become memefied since then. Yeah. What do you think it is, Fedisi? I don't think I don't feel like there's any overacting in this movie. <sighs> I think
1: is it Brooks when he's like, "You
0: go to hell," yeah, when she's yeah, walking
3: I, out.
1: That's what I was gonna say. I think it's in that showdown scene where. He yells at her, and then she yells at him. Even though it works, this is
3: important to me.
1: (laughs) But that is kind of an accurate reflection of when you lose your shit on somebody, but you're not at your most articulate, and then you slow down, and then you get all your lines together, and you can see Aaron, who is so smart, getting his the devil theory together. You know, he goes outside, he paces around a little bit, he figures out all of his strategy. But in the moment, he's like, "You get the hell out of here!" You know, when he's screaming, it's very similar to Saul Rubinek, actually.
2: I may be in love with him. Get out of my house now I want you out of here get out of here I'm not kidding get out of here you go to hell
0: I had one candidate uh Paul the the guy that who's in charge of yeah. everything I'm not sure they couldn't have gotten a better actor for that part
1: that guy was a newscaster
0: I know yeah he, he wasn't I mean, a real real actor. real actor yeah for that one like he, the Nicholson scene like he doesn't match Nicholson he is part of
1: what I think is the single funniest line in, in the movie though uh, Which is when he after he lays the guy off and he says no if there's anything I can do Man. for you I oh, yeah. says well I certainly hope you'll die soon <laughs>
0: <He walks laughs> picking nits, uh we talked about the ending already I still feel like seven years was too long I would have gone with like four seven years is a long time like like I we think, started Grantland seven years ago it's just like forever yeah
3: but this was like <sighs> a time period like where like my dad worked for like the newspaper that he was at for like like twenty five years, you know Man. what I mean? Like uh, my big nitpick:
0: Why didn't she smoke? This character was just dying to be smoking. six. not a lot so really, of smoking. Was there some smoking? No, nah, she there? must. Jim Brooks must have been anti smoking. But this is like just classic, just diet you coke, still cigarettes. Smoke in the office in eighty seven. Yeah, she should have had cigarettes hmm. everywhere. I think it would have pushed to the next level. Getting in the cab with the cigarette. Yeah, I just want butts everywhere with her. <laughs> she must have not won. Maybe to Zerinsky
1: do that. wasn't a smoker. Yeah,
0: Best quotes. We talked about a couple of them already. Wouldn't this be a great world if desperation and security made us more attractive? If needy was a turn on. I can't believe I risked my life for a network that tests my face with focus groups. I did the it's awful scene. Uh, the, I'd given any an in interview with two people. What do you do when your real life exceeds your dreams? Keep it to yourself.
1: <laughs> Love that
0: one. How do you like that? I buried the lead. I've never fought for anyone before. Does anyone win these things? Is a really good quote. And then uh, congratulations on history's longest winning streak, which (laughs) is, I think, my favorite one of all of them. It's nice to see you. Hey, congratulations on history's longest winning streak. Yeah, if you ever
1: get restless in Portland, let me know.
0: Why? It's like a dig, but he's also congratulating him. I don't know. Uh, Lots of good quotes in this one.
3: And we mentioned the the cute. We did the saying, other saying, uh, "Socially, you're my role yeah. Except for socially, you're my role model.
1: And also, you can make it less brutal by knocking a million or so off your salary. Bad joke. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's great.
0: Could this be remade as a 10 episode Netflix series? Um, not as the answer. Yes, I'd I'd I've just greenlit it.
1: They already made it. It's called the newsroom. Yep. It's
3: literally the newsroom. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah. That's what this is. That's this is newsroom. This is a Sorkin show. This is what if the news was the most important thing in the world. It's just kind of sad to watch it because that was so heavy handed though. The broadcast. News but they tried to have banter, like all <gasps> the Olivia Munn yeah. anchor.
2: Hilarious. I don't know of many shows that have been that funny in the last 10 Intentionally? Years. Oh, I have no idea. No, I don't think the, not intentionally <laughs> not intentionally at all. I just, I, I watched every episode of that. I thought everyone got funnier than the last one. And then it started to get kind of good at the end, which actually made it slightly worse. Yeah, I yeah. completely
1: agree yeah. with that. I always got a huge kick out of it, though. And Bill, when Sorkin was on your show, he said when he was writing that show, he had a pebble in his shoe, and he could never quite get an entire episode right, which I thought was such a accurate characterization of that show.
3: The which was
2: something that character in one of his shows would, would, would say to yes. explain a problem. Totally. Totally. He is example of
3: why it shouldn't be a show, is that broadcast news is perfect because it's about three people with a few people. In the background. Yeah. Newsroom is about ten people. And yep. they all got their ABC plots and it would be like, Well, we're gonna p- tease this out and we gotta go check in on Allison Pill and we gotta go check in on on uh, Sam Watterson and Death stuff. Patel, yeah, and like all the Chris Messina's character, There's <laughs> I'm s- laughing just thinking about you naming these people. I know, and this it's actually like a wild <laughs> cast. Olivia Munn. Yeah. I really like the. I totally wish the show was still on. I got I would a huge still watch it every yeah. Sunday oh, I if totally it had been wish on. It was still on. If this was like Grey's Anatomy it was, and it was on for twenty think years, it was. Good though I don't know. I mean, did yeah. I? If I enjoyed it that much, don't don't I think it's a kind of good? Yeah, but, but we're talking about no. I don't yeah. think that it taught me anything about what yeah. it means to be a human. But I did. I think really you, you can enjoy mo-
2: watching something oh, sure, and not my, have to. Yeah. think Yeah, there it's are movies good. that I enjoyed much more than broadcast news. Who I would never say are better movies than broadcast news. Right. So I mean, I think that we're. Yes, in a way, if you like it, it's good. That should be as far as you go. But having this kind of discussion, we're talking about like it. That was, but it's 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 it's, (laughs) one of the
3: reasons why that show suffers is that they try to cram all of like Holly Hunter's character into like nine or eleven minutes per episode of Emily Mortimer. Mortimer, yeah. Yeah, And the
1: the problem was, I think ultimately that. They made Jeff Daniels the star of the show. They instead made of William Hurt the star yeah, of the show yeah. instead yeah. of Holly Hunter. Like the, that show would have made a lot more sense if Emily Mortimer was at the center of it. I didn't and like her in that show though that much.
0: I mean, it's a. I mean, that was a pretty key part. I didn't. I didn't feel like she nailed it. I'm a
1: fan of hers, but it, it is very similar. Is really very similar. I Holly actually
0: Hunter. wish there were more shows like that that were that polarizing. Mm-hmm. I feel like we're heading toward this world where everything is either a show a couple people
1: like over here. Chris and, and I just watches it. Chris and I died on Vinyl Island. You may or may not you know, recall But you know yeah.
3: what actually is probably the show that's closest to broadcast news is Sports Night. Yeah. 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 It's 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 Two a little guys. bit more modest. It's yeah. got a little bit more space. It's closer to broadcast news than it is to our contemporary what about Goodnight Bean Town. I don't think I've ever seen that. Uh, is that Bill, a show? It was Bill Bixby. It was a show oh, yeah, in Boston. That's right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Bill
2: Bixby and uh, the woman who was often in the Incredible Hulk. Um she's blonde. Good actress. Good night, bean time. Didn't work. Yeah.
0: Probably unanswerable questions. Did Holly Hunter die alone in this movie? <laughs>
2: there's a guy, she says. There's a guy. Yeah, that felt like she, I, I feel like she made that up or there's- a <laughs> couple. think she made up. up. Yeah, she, she probably was on two dates, dates with, a with the guy. She's tying his shoes unless he's legitimately tying his shoes. She's not going to lie about her relationship. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> I
0: don't know. It's probably like three dates- no, she had not Made out them once.
1: She's yeah. an incredibly successful, beautiful, smart woman. Yeah. She was crazy. What are you talking about? Whatever. She's too crazy. You know how so many crazy people are married? Question. That's <laughs> the whole institution of marriage <laughs> is
0: driven by crazy people. No, but she's too crazy. Like oh. the, the correspondence dinner, she goes with them, then inexplicably has to leave. That was like crazy behavior.
1: Oh, like I, I honestly don't think so. If I, I don't either. Like, it doesn't seem that crazy to me. it was like, it like, I'm done.
0: You were my date for the correspondence dinner, and you faked out because your friend was hosting the fucking Saturday
1: people, newscast. So many people, men and women, are drawn to that kind of energy. There's something like exciting crazy? for people.
0: Yeah, of course. Bill. A little too crazy. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> she was a little too crazy.
3: The correspondence dinner I scene, I can't man. sign up on. <laughs> This has a bit a weird run for you between <laughs> this this and like I don't like Troy from reality. Bites no, explained. I did like Troy. I just didn't like him. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. Let's go back to no, when you explain, said but you're saying you
3: wouldn't have liked the, re- the Troy reality like or this. the Holly
2: Hunter in reality. You would not have liked her in reality. You would. You I would be have like, been really I'm mad if away. she left. If
0: she left the correspondence dinner without us ever going in, would have made me mad. Well, It's a correspondence like the biggest night of the year in DC.
1: Sounds like you were threatened by her. <laughs>
0: yeah. Why don't you get your suit of armor on, Bill? <laughs> Any other unanswerable questions for you?
1: Uh, can you guys just do a little bit of? Do you think this? What do you think is the best movie of the eighties? Because I was thinking yeah, about this a lot down. last night. Um, I we don't know for sure, but like, there's two different strands of yeah, this, right? There's the die, there's hard. die hard aliens, <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, E. T., you know, stuff like that, and then there's like broadcast news, Raging Bull, Color of Money. Color of Money, sure. Uh, I think that was also eighty seven. Um, um, we're not picking Raging Bull, okay? You know there oh, there, there are two. You know, do the right thing is in this conversation. Um, this movie exemplifies what I think is the best of eighties movies. It had that like zippy Bill Conti score, and it had all the performances are great, and the writing is kind of pitch perfect, and it's very enjoyable at like a solid two hours and five minutes. Um, Great it's, actors. Great actors. The stakes are, are high, but they're not overwhelmingly high. No one's diving off of a skyscraper in this
3: movie. I don't know. I, it it's just so it, hard. I, it, I would give you a different answer every day. I would give, guys, I'd tell you Bull Durham one day. I would tell I you will, Aliens the next day. I would tell I you this. probably if I had
2: to say one, I would say Raiders of the Lost Ark for a variety of reasons. That's in there for me. But that's not my favorite movie from the 80s. But I would, it, you know, that's kind of a different. What is your favorite movie? I would have to think more because I, I know I would give the wrong answer if mm-hmm. I just said. But I mean, I think Broadcast News is a better movie than Rears the Lost Ark, and yet somehow, if, I were, if we're talking about, because taste, you know, you can't let your personal taste impact too much of your answer here. You know, mm-hmm. it's like like I mean, obviously, we all work in media. Our interest in this movie is going to be higher than the average person. It's true. Um, I'm sure very few archaeologists don't think Raiders of the Lost Ark is the best <laughs> movie of the '80s. I'm sure they all think that, but you know you can't go too much there hmm. either. So the reason
3: why this is such a hard question to answer is that this is the decade that I watched like 15 movies over and over again. I could do rewatchables about like almost any movie from this decade because this is like the video store time yeah. period where you just like I watched Goonies hundred times. I watched Ferris Bueller a hundred times. I I can't even. You know, I've watched Aliens and Predator and Lethal Weapon a, and Die Hard. And it's also a really weird decade, as February we discussed in the last
0: podcast. It was the eighties were just fucking
2: weird. I mean, the, f- the, the movies f- that won Oscars, you, we look back and we go, "What the hell?" Like the yeah. first half of Full Metal Jacket is like the best movie of the eighties, but then the second half isn't. So, and that's you can't so watch one without the other. I actually think we yeah. could figure this out
0: because yeah. we figured it out when we did the Social Network. It there was, was a combination about
3: that, that seemed obvious, but yeah, go ahead. Okay, so, so a co- let's try. it's a
0: combination of these three factors, right? how well done and well acted and original and just like distinct was the movie. So that qualifies here. What did the movie mean in a larger cultural apex? And did it take on a different meaning as, as the years went on? I think that qualifies here as well. And then um, how did the movie age? Is it, did the movie as the years passed become more of an achievement? And I would say that, that factors into. Well,
2: it in style of the time you got to factor in. I mean, I think I don't think this is a bold statement, but when you look at the last 30 years of the 20th century, the 80s were definitely the weakest decade for film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, the 70s were considerably better and I would say the 90s were you know, cuz of the kind of the rise of independent film and stuff and, and the mainstreaming of that in a way. So,
3: a lot like, of sequels. Well,
2: like there's there was a lot of were we talking about this on, we're we just talking about this or we just talk about this. History, well, the idea yeah. that there's that there's a lot of like kind of canonical movies from the eighties that, that kind of seem bad now. Like, like To or something or something yeah. or, or, or like, I mean, I've, or, I mean, I can't say Gandhi's a bad movie, but it just, it doesn't, you would have thought at the time that, when they made Gandhi, that this is going to be sort of one of the 20 greatest films of all time. And that would never happen now. You know, I mean, uh, it's, it's like, it's hard. It's, if we were talking about the best movies of the 70s or 90s, I feel like we would have a very long time. Yeah, talk we would have, we yeah. potentially have a situation where we have three movies that everybody has and seven that are all separate. With the 80s, it's hard to do that. It's hard to find 10 movies that aren't just things you personally like.
3: It's or because things
0: that became
2: dated immediately.
0: Because
3: producers took over the industry at right. that time and they took off all the, the edges the, of the show The, by so by the best token. movies were huh. popular yeah. movies. look if you look at Empire Magazine's no. best movies of the 80s, number one, Raiders, number two, Empire. Fire Strikes Back, Raging Bull, Blade Runner, Back to the Future, Die Hard, Aliens, E.T., Spinal Tap, Evil Dead, Shining. I mean, like, these are, like, really big movies with, Outside like—
2: of this is Spinal Tap, yeah. Yeah, I Radio
3: mean, but Radio even Radio. just, like, even Spinal Tap, yeah. like, today, you'd be like, yes. oh, this is just, like— More famous than I gotta say, the movies on
2: that list. Yes.
3: Back to the Future would be the other one I
0: would think about. It's a for good this. one. It's definitely a good candidate. It, it aged really nice, and— like it, was, it Hills just was an when, important when movie. Mm-hmm. Sally,
3: or like that's like a very specifically '80s kind of movie. You know, like yeah. those those are movies that are, are made on this like mass big screen level, but are basically like sitcoms. Like you're saying earlier about the about broadcast news itself. It's weird. I think I can't tell what what it is that defines it. Well, here's one
0: other thing about this that helps the best movie. This is the '80s case. I think ripped off from every year after it came out. I think people crib from this movie all the time, but. The love triangle part of it, like making characters as distinct as you possibly can, having like dramedies where there's funny moments, and I, I just feel like this movie infiltrated.
1: I
3: agree with that. The I mean,
1: decades that followed.
0: Do you
3: have like a crazy curveball answer?
1: No, I I just think that there is. I this. think do the right
3: thing is definitely like the one that we're probably like not having the conversation. It's probably
1: the most culturally significant movie made. Yeah, um, oh. I don't know if it's necessarily the best, whatever our parameters are, but. There is a trend line in the history of Hollywood where essentially every 30 years you get a down period. We're in the middle of a down period. In the 50s, Hollywood figures out the studio system aggressively. It starts leaning into musicals and melodramas in this over-the-top way, which leads to the 60s and the industry kind of eroding and then having to reinvent itself. Same thing happens with the 70s. You go through this booming new Hollywood period. Hollywood figures out how to make money on that. Producers take over, as Chuck said. And then you get the 80s, which is like, has a lot of fun movies, but ultimately you get a lot of Gandhi and Out of Africa and Chariots of Fire winning Best Picture. And you're like, are these really the best movies that mm-hmm. Hollywood made? And then similarly, right now, Franchises and comic book movies are the lifeblood of the industry, and the movies that are winning Best Picture are stuff like The Shape of Water and maybe Green Book, which no one's going to look back
2: on and say, "Well, that was definitely the best right. movie they'll of that year." They'll look back and
3: they'll be like Black Panther or Stars or World. Get Out right. or whatever. Yeah, but I
2: just I know this is will derail things, but I mean, isn't that kind of the purpose of the Oscars is to essentially be wrong in the present tense for people to go back and say, like, <laughs> what the thinking at the time was well, was incorrect. This is what we really you know, if only we knew that now. On the situations where, like, the Oscars get something right, those are totally forgotten. I mean, had Citizen Kane won Best Picture, it would be like, oh, that's how it was. But it's important that it didn't. It's a meaningful thing that it didn't, and we talk about that still, you know? Yeah. It
0: only happens, like,
1: every 15 years.
0: Yeah, with Gump. I think that's a good example. But then we did the Gump podcast, right? That was a really good movie. (laughs) It's an enjoyable movie. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think think it matters. I think I might be with you on Best Movie of the 80s because think how many times – Other people have tried to make a movie like this since and gone down in flames.
3: Yeah, including James L. Brooks.
0: Yeah, including James L. Brooks. Like, you need to hit your top three things. You need to hit your theme. Every single piece has to work, or it's like a Jenga thing and it just.
2: You know what else? That's it. Kind of a dark horse cat in this, maybe? Airplane. Hmm. I mean, because that the, the 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 degree of difficulty on that movie is high.
1: I also don't think that movies yeah. though that came out in like 1980 are movies of the 80s in a lot of ways, like sure. the *Shining* yeah. and *Raging that Bull*, was a and *Airplane*, and all those movies all
0: come out in like, like they feel like 70s. It's a different movies. time. Even yeah.
3: *Raiders* doesn't necessarily feel like *Predator*. You the know, definition
0: right? of an 80s movie to me, other than like the like *The Rocky* and *Back to the Future*, but like *Fatal Attraction* feels like an 80s totally. movie to me. Mm. A movie that came out, it felt ahead of its time. It's still completely watchable. It was hugely influential. Die Hard's another one. Well, yeah, this
2: is, like, I mean, we're, I'm not everyone that says this, but sort of like, you know, we think about decades the way they are on calendars, but in truth, in practice, that's not how it is. Like, See, like it's a little the more music arreous. of the 80s actually starts in 1983 and ends in 1991. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's like the music of the 60s really starts in 1964 and ends in 1971. It's like, so the 80s in film
3: actually began what it's like it? fast times, yeah, two eighty
1: three, yeah, it's, And it's the same thing it where might it's go like go up to force stuff. I think of
3: I don't think of Silence of the Lambs as a '90s movie in the way that I think of The Matrix as a '90s movie. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, I
2: think the '80s ends with Reservoir but Dogs, but The Matrix yeah. that's like we're getting mm. close. To the '90s are almost over. It's '98. I know. Or whatever. So that's like pretty, you know. But that like um,
3: I, it's kind of like it has all of these cultural signifiers of the '90s that I think of, like the kind of mainstreaming of dance culture and dance music, and like a uh, computer mm. culture starting to rise a little bit. All that yeah. stuff is the matrix whereas like in silence of the lambs they could have made the silence of the lambs in 1964 and it would have been the same kind of movie Mm -hmm. you know who won the movie who holly hunter really tough one i think it's holly hunter one of the toughest ones we've ever had the only way i can do it here is that i think i can't substitute in my mind anyone in for this this movie is not as good or the same without holly hunter
1: it's pretty convincing I don't have a. I mean, it's, I don't
3: feel like anyone else could have done the Albert Brooks part. Yeah, I,
0: I was going to say Albert Brooks, which but is I also odd feel the same way about the Holly
1: honor part. He's sort of
2: within the context of the movie, he's the biggest loser. I think we can remove
0: William Hurt because I think Jeff Bridges yeah, absolutely could have played that part and been ninety five percent as good.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, why do you say? He's the biggest loser. Well, his he he doesn't get the person he wants to be with. He doesn't get the job he wants to be with, or he wants to have. Um, you know, he is. Uh, in this situation where he is literally telling the woman I'm in love with you. And as I say that, I know it's not going to make a difference. You know, it's, it's, it's like, it's too late for me. I'm just not that person. Um, You know, we're t- I said earlier how there's some sort of similarities in reality bites or whatever. It's like, uh, you know, Ben Stiller is never like, I know I have no chance with you. He kind of thinks like you should be with me. But you can tell Errol Brooks knows he's not Aaron supposed Brooks to be I'm with going him. It's also also like you are so incredible and so attractive and so everything in this. Being a good broadcaster, it's like I shouldn't be with you. Like I don't deserve to be with you. In a weird way, you deserve to be more with the good-looking mannequin. In, in a sense, you know. Yeah. So and but I just think though that that he is like. I don't I don't think you could replace him in this movie. I don't know. Even though that role is probably to a lot of people would be like, oh, I could have done that. It wouldn't have seemed right in some way. Um like Prosky? <laughs> <laughs> Last one. I I actually think you make a
0: really strong Jim Brooks case for winning the movie. Cause mm. I don't know if this movie existed before this. Mm. The the
3: modern love triangle that feel, yeah, I mean, that is, is trying that, to say something. It, it's like a, it feels very forties to me. Yeah, There's like not, a Cary Grant so. version of the movie, right? That's it also crazy. feels like an incredibly high end, expert level Neil Simon yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, it, but when was the last not time somebody made it? Though yeah.
0: you're talking about like you're going back to the seventies, and people thought this kind of movie was gone. That you that nobody was going to make these anymore. You know, there's I think definitely, that's-
1: there's definitely something to that. I mean, he is an original voice who also you can feel all of his influences happening at the same time. You know, Preston Sturges and Sid Caesar and Neil Simon and Woody Allen and sitcoms from the 60s and Norman Lear all kind of bundled up. Howard in this Hawks one guy. and all that stuff. Totally. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you're probably you're right, Bill. Like, I don't there probably was a long period of time before there was anything like this. I mean, do
0: you think Cameron Crowe? Saw this movie and was like, I'm going to spend the next 15 years trying to make my version of this movie.
1: I mean, he did because Jim Brooks took him under his yeah, wing. Yeah, Jim Brooks like, produced all of his next yeah. movies.
0: So I think he made a case for Jim Brooks, but I agree with Chris. I think I would vote Holly Hunter because it's a performance and a character so unique to her. And I think her height really helps her in the movie.
3: And I almost Everything feel like about it. you would like, have no, to f- have no no like a five one actress. There's no like, oh, I can just sub someone in and they can do the Jane voice or they could do her facial expressions or they could, could, could we do. find a smaller woman? <laughs> <laughs> it would be like but, Kristen yeah. Chenoweth
2: yeah. would be like yeah. the only Should way we Linda could Hunt go. to do it. Perhaps we, <laughs> the audience, is the winner of the uh, movie. This is fun.
0: This is a great movie. You can uh, check it out on all the streaming services. When I tweet the link to this Rewatchables, I will put a clip of the deleted scene underneath that tweet as the next reply, and you can watch it and see if you like that anymore. Sean, Chuck, Chris, thank you very much. Thanks, bro. Thank you.